Good morning. We're here this morning to uh, to offer a podcast on the sports injury registry that we are conducting at the University of South Florida. I will be asking some questions. Uh, my name is Dr. Barbara Morse. Uh, I'm an athletic trainer by trade, and I will be uh, conversing with my colleague, Dr. Kellen, Karen Liller, professor of public health, um, also at the University of South Florida. Good morning, Dr. Liller. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Uh, let's start out with a little bit of history. Could you describe the history of the development of the University of South Florida's Medicine and Athletic-Related Trauma Institute's Sports Injury Registry? Well, I would be glad to. And um, <clears throat> it's interesting for people listening to the podcast to know also that um, Dr. Morris is actually director of SMART, which is our Sports Medicine and Athletic-Related Trauma Institute at USF. And I am the lead researcher for the um, development of the injury registry that we actually began oh, back in about 2004. Uh, but I wanted to first give um, some information about SMART. SMART is part of the College of Medicine of USF Health, and it was actually created um, with funding from the state legislature in the state of Florida. The purpose of SMART is to raise the standard of care for Florida athletes, and this is done through research, education, clinical care, and community outreach. Um, in terms of the research, of course, we have the Sports Injury Registry, and we have some other research projects going on as well. Education, we have really enhanced USF Health strength in the educational preparation of physicians and nurses and physical therapists, athletic trainer, public health individuals, and others through training and um, also providing some fellowship training. We have done integrated care. It has quite a care model as well, as well as community outreach. Um, I know that Dr. Morris herself does quite a bit with uh, various counties and recreational leagues in terms of training. They train coaches and a variety of individuals on injury prevention and sports medicine. So it's a pleasure to be here with that, with that information. Um, about the sports registry, back when this all got started and a committee was formed of various health professionals, um, we wanted to collect data on the injuries because we believe that unless you know the data and what's happening there, you will not be able to make a difference. The choice was to develop an injury registry for high school athletes. And as you probably know, we have seen injuries climb in the high school population as more and more um, children and adolescents are playing sports in these organized settings. And as we wanted to do this, we were hoping that our registry would grow so that we could hopefully also use it with the um, college athletes and professional athletes. So we actually did begin um, taking a look at how to develop a registry first for the high schools. What we also realized is that while national data existed, none were specific to the state of Florida and included all the sports played in our schools. So we realized that this was really, really needed. And what we did at that point is we began to look at a variety of professional software that was already available and was used by professional teams. Um, one in particular was called SimTrack. And SimTrack was developed by a company called Premier Software. And we particularly liked this software because it did have some of the variables we wanted to assess in terms of the injuries among the high school athletes, but it also uh, had the ability to expand. 
so we could add variables based on our need. Plus, it had a history. It was used with professional teams. So we decided to use SimTrack as the platform for our registry. We also conducted content validity with an expert panel of 15 sports injury prevention researchers and practitioners to make sure that it indeed was a valid tool. And um, the tool has worked very well. We did add variables. In fact, we added over 1,000 variables to the original uh, software. One variable in particular I wanted to make sure we covered was exposure. Because even though you could collect the number of injuries per sport, you really don't have an understanding unless you know about the exposure athletes have to the sport. In other words, how many practices and competitions and how many athletes are playing each week. So we included that. We also included more demographic information on the injured athletes, their level of play, their time and season of injury, um, if an injury was related to an illegal or foul, um, what was the mechanism of injury? Truly, how did the injury happen? And what was the activity during the injury? What was the athlete doing? Environmental conditions, field locations, positions, more on concussion information, use of protective equipment, and injury outcomes. So we really grew the registry to, um, so that it really met our needs. And so the question became, once we had the registry, who was going to collect the data in the high schools? Well, we ended up starting with 10 high schools in West Central Florida, and SMART hired 10 certified athletic trainers to not only collect the data, but also, of course, to serve the medical needs of the athletes. So it really was a win-win situation for the schools, and certainly for us as we began to collect the first data in the state of Florida on high school athlete injuries. The, um, the athletic trainers would send the information to me and my research colleagues. They would send it weekly, and they would send it through the email system. Um, and we were able to place very successfully the modified SimTrack software on their laptops. So we were able to collect data from 2007 when this was finished to 2011. And with that data, we were able to do several professional presentations, give reports, um, write peer-reviewed publications. Well, what happened, like as in many state schools across the country, due to economic reasons, we were not able to continue with the foundation of the registry or SimTrack. So we began to look for other sources that um, truly uh, would be more affordable for us and also could still get the information we needed. We did experiment quite a bit. We experimented especially with an instrument called CoreAT. Um, and while that is a good tool, it, like so many others, was based more on treatment outcomes for the athlete. And while we found that very interesting, that was really not a major purpose for us. Our purpose was to understand the injury, to really understand the risk determinants, to really figure out why these injuries are happening and how. So what we did then is we decided to become part of the RIO network for sports injuries. And RIO stands for Reporting Information Online. And that began for the 2012-2013 academic year. It is the tool used in the National High School Sports-Related Injury Surveillance System conducted by Dr. Don Comstock. We were very happy to become 
part of this national network of schools, and especially such a good uh, data system that, that Dr. Comstock had created. So we've been involved with Rio now since 2012, as I said, 2013, and we, we've really found it advantageous. For some of the reasons we liked it is that, first of all, it was an improvement from SimTrack because Rio is internet-based. So this is an internet-based surveillance system that allows the athletic trainers to view all of their data and update reports when needed. Um, of course, it is part of a national system, so that was a plus as well. And what I found especially encouraging about Rio is that the definitions that they use were nearly identical to the definitions we used for what data we would collect and what we would not. For example, for example what type of injuries are we collecting? Well, we're collecting an injury that occurred as a result of participation in an organized high school competition or practice. It are, they are injuries that require medical attention by a team physician, a certified athletic trainer, a personal physician, or an emergency department or urgent care facility. And three, the injuries have to result in restriction of the high school athlete's participation for one or more days beyond the day of the injury. And any fracture, concussion, or dental injury is reported regardless of whether or not the athlete's participation is restricted. That's the definitions for Rio, and that was nearly identical to what we were already using. So that was very advantageous because the athletic trainers knew these definitions and were comfortable with them, especially those that stayed with the program, um, actually some of them since 2007. So we're very happy to be part of that information. And Dr. Morris, I don't know if you'd like to add anything about the origin of SMART because you were there from the beginning to where we are now. The one thing I'd like to say is that we've grown from uh, having 10 athletic trainers in the high schools to actually having 19 now. So we are collecting a large number of data uh, for what goes on in Florida. And we know, Dr. Lillard, that Florida is a, a bit different than some other states in the country um, with our weather, our heat, our humidity, those kinds of things, not to mention the sports that we play as high school sanctioned sports. So. Um, do you find using Rio um, any difficulty in, in collecting all the data we need to report on the sports that we have in Florida and how have you uh, found ways to, to take care of those issues? Right. Well, I, I have not found really much difficulty with Rio at all. Um, I know, of course, that you spend a lot of time with the athletic trainers and getting them used to Rio and getting them computers, getting it all set up. And um, we meet with the athletic trainers to address any problems. But uh, so far, it has been uh, fairly smooth for us to make the switch from the original SimTrack days to, and then some, a very short period with Core AT now uh, to over to Rio. So we're, we're actually quite happy with the tools thus far. There are some sports that we do play in the state of Florida, such as flag football, which I believe SMART has the only data nationally on flag football that um, Rio does not cover. Um, there's also some sports, for example, weightlifting that Rio does not incorporate yet. However, we simply collect that data on our own and send it in a Rio format so that we have not lost that data. So, but other than that, I think it has been a great tool. The questions are more detailed 
Um, I believe in Rio then even we were collecting in SimTrack and so I think we've been able to find out much more information um, about the injuries. Um, if I could, I'd like to talk a little bit about the trends of our data that we've collected. Yes, I, I'd like to make sure everybody understands that uh, flag football is a female sanctioned sport. It's not, uh, it's not the male sanctioned sport in the state of Florida. That is correct. What general trends have you uncovered over the years in terms of your high, of high school athletes and sports injuries? Right. In our study since 2007, and I don't think anybody listening to the podcast will be surprised that football has produced the most injuries over the years. That's not to say it's produced the greatest rate of injuries because remember that we are looking at exposure, so we do report not only the ends or the frequencies, but also the rate of injury per 1,000 athlete exposures for practices or competitions. Um, and I'll get to our latest data in a minute about what the leading rates were. Uh, we also, of course, see high numbers for soccer, uh, for basketball. We've seen um, fairly high numbers for some wrestling injuries. Um, but overall, no great surprises. What, what we have learned is that most of the injuries we report are actually not that serious. Most of the athletes do return to the sport within three to six days. Some are delayed a little longer. Um, most of the injuries do not need surgery. Um, most of them, uh, as I said, resolve uh, fairly soon. Um, and so we're, we're looking at patterns of injuries that while they may not be all of them very, very serious, it's still very important to collect the data because these are the injuries that are happening that can, if untreated, certainly lead to more serious injuries, um, certainly lead to those in the future. So it's very important that we have all the data, I think, regardless of, um, regardless of how serious the particular injuries are. Um, we also um, are able to tell on each sport the mechanism, the activity level as well um, for each of the injury. We also know, for example, um, if they're varsity, junior varsity, what year in school they are. So, but all in all, we're looking at um, injuries that are crucial to be collected and really provide a good picture for the high schools in terms of what to work on and us as well as interventions. So that's generally what we've uncovered over the years. Um, but I think for our latest year of data, this has shown us a few surprises. And this latest year of data is really interesting because it's our second year now working with Rio. So um, our ATCs, and, and for this particular data set, we had data from 15 of them in 15 schools. Um, they, many of them have gotten very proficient now with Rio, and the new ATCs learn very, very well. So I feel that the data we have is very sound. For this year, the leading rate of injury per 1,000 athlete exposures for practices was women's lacrosse. And this was particularly interesting. We had not reported lacrosse injuries before, but lacrosse is becoming a popular sport in schools. And it's interesting that for practices, women's lacrosse was at the top. This was followed by other sports, and for us, that's going to be flag football mostly, and then football. So as you can see, the injury rates may not match, of course, the frequencies. For competition, the injury rate per 1,000 athlete exposures was greatest for football at 14.4, 
And that was followed by other sports at 9.59 and wrestling at 7.72. However, when you look at the ends, just the ends, of course, we had overall 574 injuries reported by the ATCs at 15 schools. The majority of athletes injured were male. And when you just look at the ends, football was the leading sport with the highest number of reported injuries of 270. And this was followed by wrestling, boys wrestling at 33, girls soccer, also a really important sport where we see quite a few injuries at 33, and boys basketball at 30. Um, Most of the injured athletes were in their junior year. That was followed by sophomore and senior and then freshman year. What I like about Rio is that it also records the age of the athletes as well as their BMIs. And as we look at the males, their ages range from 13 to a maximum of 19, and their minimum BMI was 16.6, and they had a maximum BMI of 58.2. For females, their ages range from 14 to 18, and their minimum and maximum BMIs range from 16.5 to 43.8. Um, Not surprisingly, the principal body parts injured, and this goes back to your question about general trends, we generally see um, numbers for the head and face, and then this is followed by the knee and the ankle. As I said, most of the athletes return to play in three to six days, and the vast majority of injuries don't require surgery. They were new, and they mostly were evaluated by the athletic trainer in the school. And what type of injuries are we seeing? Well, leading the pack are ligament sprains, and that's followed by concussions. Now, concussions, while we've always seen a fairly high number of concussions, this may be even more true now with the recent rule change about concussions where athletes must be removed from play when you see signs of a concussion and cannot return to play without being cleared by a medical professional. And the last um, type of injury was muscle strains in terms of leading three types of injuries. We have several, several types of injuries, but generally ligament sprains, concussions, and muscle strains usually rank pretty highly. So that's that's just some of the, the general information we found from this year. As I said, my surprise Um, I was excited to get lacrosse uh, information because I know that's becoming a very popular sport. And I was surprised to see that for the injury rate for practices, women's lacrosse rose to the top. Dr. Littler, in regard to the data that you just shared with us, how do you think that data relates to the importance of having certified athletic trainers in high schools? Well, um, I have to tell you that I think they're absolutely critical. I am certainly a big proponent of um, having certified athletic trainers in the schools. For example, if you just look at some of the numbers, this year alone, okay, with this data set, the 13-14 data set, they supervise directly 7,557 practices, 1,492 competitions, and 4,694 athletes from the reporting schools, our Rio schools. And so that's an amazing number of athletes and an amazing number of practices and competitions. But I think what's even more important, they also supervised 24,201 athletes from other schools who were competing against their school. 
So when you add those together, you have thousands and thousands and thousands of children and adolescents who were supervised by these ATCs. And, and the athletic trainers could then, of course, be there to take care of the injury immediately and certainly can ameliorate some higher costs that may needlessly have to occur um, by transporting someone when they maybe didn't need to be directly transported to an emergency department. Of course, everyone that needs to goes, but, you know, just having that individual there is just, I think, absolutely important. You know, studies have shown where um, also ATCs provide a wonderful cost savings, as I just said. And also, I can tell you as a parent of a child who played um, probably every sport in her high school, having a certified athletic trainer there was a great comfort for parents as well. Because we want our children to be safe, and having someone on the scene that is trained in this field and knows how to take immediate action is very, very important. It is good that coaches are there and often are very helpful, but remember the sole purpose of the certified athletic trainer is to be there for the care of the athlete. And, and Dr. Morse, you could probably add more about this since you are uh, a certified athletic trainer and have worked with them um, so long. I, I would agree with you. I think the way um, the high school athlete has morphed over the past few years. They're bigger, stronger, and faster, and um, there are many more competing. Uh, Title IX is finally, I think, um, the the emphasis of Title IX is catching up. There are many more, more females participating and having the opportunity to participate uh, and, and get college scholarships to move forward. So I think it's paramount that uh, athletic trainers are on the sidelines of these high schools. And in many cases, the athletic trainer is the only medical professional that some of these high school um, student athletes have uh, to go to uh, due to economic issues. So um, I would totally agree that um, that it's imperative that we have athletic trainers on the sidelines of every high school, hopefully in the near future. I was just going to add about the athletic trainers. Now studies are showing middle school, the importance of having them in middle schools as well. And I would really think that's an important next step because, as you know, middle schools are now uh, involved with sports that we used to really see at the high school level. And having the um, um, certified athletic trainer there, I think, if having them all the way through is, I think, going to be very important so that not only are they there providing the care, but parents and the school not only sees the great benefit, but also the, will demand this in the future. I would agree. As the research shows us, the, um, the middle school athlete, as they're learning their technique and they're learning uh, biomechanics, to have an athletic trainer there that is well-versed in that and being able to make corrections and do those kinds of things from a preventative standpoint at that younger age, I think, will be our next, our next step. What are your plans for the future, Dr. Liller, as far as the athletic trainers and um, your injury uh, surveillance registry? Well, you know, we have, I think, many plans moving forward. First of all, we'd like to grow the registry, and we have successfully done that already because of more schools being added where we can collect the data. As we said, we started off with 10. We now, in this new year, the 14-15 year, uh, we are going to have um, 19 schools uh, that we will be able to uh, have certified athletic trainers there providing the medical care as well as uh, being able to send this data. And, and we do get this data. How it works is 
they are part of the Rio network. Um, the data uh, then is sent to me monthly uh, by Rio, by the central uh, Rio uh, office, and they send us only the Florida schools, the schools that are in our system, and from there we begin to analyze data monthly and we check for any issues or any problems with the data, and then we issue mid-year reports to uh, not only SMART, but to all the schools, as well as final reports, again, to SMART, as well as to all the schools. And so they're able to get that information. Um, obviously, you want once you have data, data is fine, but you have to do something with data. And um, obviously, we want to keep developing tailored interventions based on what we're seeing. I think we need to study carefully lacrosse. We need to look at some of these injuries and and what is going there. Um, I know that Florida uh, for women's lacrosse has just uh, mandated some helmet use, and so I think we're going to be able to look at that and see if that changes things. Um, as Dr. Morris said, I think we're going to be doing specialized studies in the future, like things like heat illness. And also uh, there's a uh, group together to study sickle cell trait among athletes, their ability. Uh, on the field and especially when they are injured. So I think with these data, we sort of have the data for people now for, for Florida when it comes to looking at injuries in West Central Florida or in these counties that we're involved in. So obviously if we add more counties and we spread ourselves more across the state, I think that the data will even be more desirable and helpful um, to high schools uh, and to uh, health professionals. And we will continue to publish and present our findings. We, uh, we're happy to hear that we will be doing an oral presentation um, of our findings as past year's findings at the American Public Health Association meeting coming up in New Orleans. And so we'll be excited to meet um, with other people in the field and to be able to talk with them um, about not only our research, but their research there as well. So I think with sports and sports injuries, there's always something new. There's always some help you can provide, some data you can find. And so I think the future is very bright in that regard. Dr. Wheeler, thank you for your time today and this valuable information uh, on the uh, sports injury registry program. We know working with you, it, it's um, a valuable tool that we provide to our high schools, not only in changes with um, prevention things that we do, uh, for instance, ACL prevention programs for the females that we do as a result of, of your data, but also things like um, eyewear for flag football and based on some of the injuries we've seen. So we appreciate what you do. We appreciate working with you, and we hope that, uh, that your information today has certainly helped others out there. Thank you very much.